Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and that there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, Nikki. We It's Q&A day. It's a grab bag of fantastic questions and uh, hopefully some improvisational but sound answers uh, to those questions uh, as we dig into the show today. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and you'll get an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And a special shout out to all of you who have committed to this show as supporters through Patreon.com slash The ADHD Podcast. For as little as a buck a month, supporters get access to our Facebook live stream each week by way of our double secret Facebook private group just for those people. And they are they know that their ducats are supporting the continued long-term function and development of this show. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Thank you so much. All right, Nikki, you got all these questions. Where do you want to start? Let's just start with the first one that I wrote down, shall we? I'd I'd like (laughs) it. That's a good place to start, right? No rhyme or reason. No. Okay, so uh, this gal had two different questions and wanted to know um, if this was common. Um, Okay, so she has noticed that she's developed a little bit of a bias um, as she's learned more about ADHD and prostate processed it, you know, over the past couple of years. And uh, what she's finding is that she really prefers to work with people who have ADHD. She loves her non-ADHD years in her life, but have a special place in her heart for those that have that special sauce of ADHD. So her first question is, do other people feel the same? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. I'm into that. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, I I don't think it's because they have ADHD, right? I, I really don't think it's just because I like working with people who have ADHD. Uh, it's because in general, speaking way too globally for anybody's good, but in general, I find that people who are aware of their ADHD tend to have a deeper awareness or in, and it sort of they've internalized uh, the kinds of tools 
that they need to be super productive and to collaborate well and because they need all of these systems just like I do. And our Mm -hmm. systems usually work well together. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I I find it's just easier to work with people with ADHD because they already speak my language. They already understand why I need accountability and why I need reminders and why I need, you know, everything documented just so. So it's just uh, so I I don't know that it's necessarily that I can I smell ADHD on them. I'm going to (laughs) <laughs> Somebody's chum in the water. I better get over there. Uh, but right. but more that we just we have a common tongue and and that's really important. Yes, yes. And I think it's similar too to, you know, you attract the people that are like you. You attract the people that, you know, think like you. And, and um, you know, one of the things that is hard, I think, for a lot of people, unless you are one of those people, is being around negative people. When you are a positive person, you're going to, necess- you know, you're probably going to more attract that 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 positive person in your life and be less attracted to the negative. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like you you want to be around people who think like you, understand you, accept you, um, and all of that. So yes, I think, yeah, I agree. I think it's very normal. Well, and I think there's a there's a, a real benefit to being aware of this, which is, you know, if you want to attract those people, be very open about the kinds of tools and and uh, sort of lifestyle you you live because they'll smell the ADHD all over As you. Well. too, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you want to bring those people into your life. So that's that's important. Absolutely. Okay. And just to add on to this real quick, I did have a question um, about a week ago and she wanted to know this is a different person, but it leads into this. She wanted to know the differences between sort of how an ADHD or thinks and a non ADHD or thinks. And so we are going to do a show on that. And I don't know exactly how it's going to look, but I know Pete's going to interview me on a few things um, so that we can kind of see where maybe some of those differences are not to compare to each other right or wrong it's just to see what the differences are no, and we will, uh, we will be comparing right no or wrong. we will not yeah, somebody's gonna it's win not, no there will be a winner decided on this <laughs> no <show>. we're not <laughs> people can still hear you pete right <laughs> so anyway i'm looking forward to that because i've been thinking a lot about it so excellent Okay. Excellent. All right. All right. So second Next we question. Have, uh, was this a second question or is there another question uh, around this technology is, here that's coming up? Y- well, yeah, this was actually from the same person, but it is oh. a technology question. So go All for right. it. My well, friend. the question is, do you have any experience or advice with regards to noise canceling headphones? Seems like a decent solution for my office environment, but I'm not sure that spending the money up front is worth it if the solution may or may not work for me. This is actually a, a, a great question. And there is a difference between sound isolating headphones and noise canceling headphones. Uh, the headphones that I'm wearing, right, these over the ear, they're giant. They have this big, puffy, you know, cushion on the ear. These I find are are really good for for isolating sound from my head. Uh, I can't. I, it's just, but it's more muffled, right? And so these are not noise canceling. They don't have any technology in them that's that is actively. Uh, putting sound in my head, the white noise in my head to counter counter the the noise around me, and and what you know the best noise canceling headphones are doing the Bose uh, noise canceling headphones, for example, they actually have microphones on them, so they're listening to the sound outside, and they're actually putting in a, a cancellation wave, a white noise wave that your music can get through, but the out exterior sound cannot. So uh, it, it's very very smart, and they are very very expensive uh, generally, and so you, you really that's a, a smart question. You don't want to do this in unless you have um, you're sure it's going to work 
you can get cheaper headphones. You know, you can spend 50, 60 bucks and get some Sonys with noise canceling built in. They're not as smart, but it might give you an idea as to whether this will work for you. You can get a sense of whether or not this is this is going to be a solution that'll work for you. I also find that if you don't, if, if wearing the giant over the ear cones isn't going to work for you. You can try something like a, uh, an in-ear headphone. Uh, Edemotics, for example, makes a, a really great in-ear headphone. And if you want to go the extra mile, uh, you can call an audiologist or a, a hearing testing agency, and you can actually have molds made of your ear. This is what mu- musicians do, right? So you have molds made of your ear in your ear canal, and then those are manufactured into a little uh, a rubber gasket that goes on the end of your really your great in-ear headphones. And then you put them. They're made for each of your ears. So you put them in your ear. And what I find is because there is a seal, there's a hard seal uh, between your ear and that's then the shape of your ear and the outside world, it actually reduces a lot of noise uh, without uh, having to go the route of having, you know, the actual white noise pounded into your ear all the time. So, uh, yeah, I really liked it. I had them for a long time uh, and and swore by them, especially for podcasting. That's why musicians use them. You, know, you see the guitarists, you know, they have those are their mm-hmm. monitors so they can hear what they're playing. Uh, more clearly or what they're singing more clearly over the sound of crowds and things like that because mm-hmm. you know clearly we're all our own inner rock stars and you want to make sure yes, that you have, have <laughs> that you have that <laughs> taken care of so that is one way to look at it that's not a, a cheap route and buying really nice Bose you know noise canceling headphones uh, you know effectively is going to cancel it out but if you don't want the technology of you know noise canceling in your head all the time this is kind of a fun way to be more discreet uh, and have headphones that that really lock in your your brain so and you can just describe it to people as i'm putting out my inner I'm, rock star i'm my inner rock star yeah, i am that's what it yeah is. i'm expressing that yeah. yes i love that okay yep. all right so next question is for me uh i am considering getting an adhd coach but i live in south africa and it seems like there is not much awareness of adhd in adults yet i've done a basic search and no real joy um, I'm not sure whether I should try going to a, and this is in quotes, normal executive coach and uh, rather just try and screen and educate them on ADHD. Okay, so this is where I'm on the fly a little bit because I don't have my, you know, I haven't prepared notes here. So um, when I first read this, I thought, you know, normal, that's kind of funny to me because really what is normal? No executive coach is normal. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Right. I mean, and there's no like normal ADHD coach either, right? I mean, the coach is not, I mean, you have to find a coach that you work with regardless if you think they're normal or not. They should be only as normal as you are. How about that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say I think that you would be putting a lot of energy uh, into the coaching relationship by trying to educate ADHD, um, you know, t- to that coach if they don't know a lot about it. I-, I don't know if it would be worth it. So I think that it would be worth interviewing some executive coaches and finding out what their experience has been with ADHD, how much they know about it, um, what their style is normally, you know, and kind of get an idea of if it would be a good match or not. There's a lot of ADHD coaches that you do have access to, too, because so many of us actually 
do Skype, we do FaceTime, we have these, you know, great resources where you can call into a number and it doesn't matter where you live um, and we can coach you. So I wouldn't exactly think that just because it's not necessarily uh, prevalent in South Africa, you could still find a coach somewhere else too that is ADHD specific. Yeah, once you let go so, of the fact that you of the the assumption that you have to sit down and meet with somebody face to face, right? It's much easier to find somebody who can it's, help you. It's much easier, and yeah. and I don't think that executive coaches. I mean, I just have to say this. I mean, I think they're great coaches out there that. That, but there are coaches out there that don't understand ADHD, and that's probably not going to be the best coach for you. So I, I do think it's just like organizing. If you're going to have a professional organizer, make sure you hire somebody that understands ADHD. You think differently, and you want that coach to work with you and, and not give you ideas or work with you in a way that you're like, what? That's never going to work for me. Right. What are you talking about? Right. So, yes. Excellent. There you go. Uh, next question is not, uh, is, huh, it's a great question. Do you have any good strategies for coming down from overstimulation? I find that I particularly get overstimulated during long meetings with colleagues and sometimes from driving in traffic. It's hard to try to figure out a strategy once you're in that space. So I need some suggestions to try when I do get there. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, look, you're holding up a book. I'm holding Focused up a book. Focused Forward. Yes, and indeed. And it's called Focused Forward. And he answers your question beautifully. I, I, I mean, I. you want me to answer this right away? And well, you, I think you should answer it right away, yeah. Okay, tag on. Okay, so he is very much into mindfulness and into finding that safe, happy place in your mind that you can go to when you're going through an emotional ADHD storm absolutely recommend that you check that out and uh, and what what's so great about that is it doesn't matter what space you're in no one knows what you're thinking no one knows what's going on in your mind and how you're calming yourself down so that is my suggestion what's yours well I'm I'm a big fan of mindfulness too uh, if you're not checking out the the um, meditation or mindfulness apps that we've recommended uh, on this show you should definitely do that make sure you have one at hand to tune that uh, to be able to sort of tune that station in your brain uh, and sort of retune it to something soft and am uh, yes. for me actually of late and I find this interesting uh, um, and maybe it's akin to prescribing a stimulant for ADHD, right? You know, that, that uh, Adderall and Concerta, they're stimulant medications, right? And so that's what you, you already are overstimulated, so you prescribe a stimulant. I, I'm not a doctor or nurse on this stuff, so I'm not going to explain it. But what I've done for my brain is I stumbled onto this podcast of these four guys, these brothers and their dad, and they are playing a years-long Dungeons & Dragons game. And it's called The Adventure Zone. And... When I am overstimulated, wow. I'm not kidding, because this is a thing that I am absolutely furthest from participating in in my day-to-day work life, right? So I'm right. working, I'm in meetings, I'm on shows, and I get myself overstimulated. What I need to do is take my brain and say, whoop, we're going to go over here for a little bit and simmer down this other part in the background. And so when I turn on these people playing ADHD or play, playing ADHD and dragons, <laughs> uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> they together. They might have ADHD. You never right? know. They, believe me. Yeah. Believe me, they, there are some issues there, but there are four, uh, you know, their father who, and, and these three adult uh, adult men are playing this amazing 
years-long game of Dungeons and Dragons, and I turn on an episode, and I absolutely am able to disconnect in about 15 minutes. I'm, I'm feeling myself. My, my blood pressure goes down like my pulse goes down. I'm, I'm just feeling more comfortable in my skin again. So find something like that that distracts you enough that is furthest from where you are right now. And that's one, that's awesome. one thing that works for me. I love that idea. Yeah. I am going to completely change the subject for a second because you, uh, when you talked about the medication, it brought up something that I watched today, this mm-hmm. morning on the Today Show. Um, there is a new documentary on Netflix that airs today. It's from um, Mariah Shriver, and it's about Adderall and it, the epidemic between um, the the abuse, the abuse yeah. that they're finding in college students and young adults. Now, it's interesting because I watched the clip. I watched like, you know, a few minutes on the Today Show. And what really bothered me, and I might actually like send a little comment in to see if they'll do a follow up, is they talk about the medication and how it's being abused. And it sounds like it's for people that, you know, aren't using it for ADHD. They don't have ADHD. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they will do a follow up that will also explain why the medication is necessary for ADHD uh, because they're missing a a very critical piece of this issue. And so I'm going to watch the documentary probably over the weekend i'm not mm-hmm. a probably i'm totally going to watch yeah, it over right. the weekend right. and see what you know i don't know what the angles are and everything but anyway i wanted to throw that out to the audience so that they can see it and um you know i don't know i mean i i i'm not one to write a show and say hey you should do this but this really sparked something to me it's like you're yeah. missing half of the story here it's, so it's we'll see a what very important half It is because it just makes it look like all these people are using it to abuse it and they're forgetting about the people that need it, you know? Right. And their lives and livelihood depend on these these medications. Yeah. 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 And they're comparing it to, you know, more like heavier drug use. Well, I know that, you know, I mean, they're controlled substances. And so a lot has changed in the years since we've been uh, dealing with meds in our house and and having to, you know, make the right phone calls at the right time, coming from the doctor, going to the pharmacy. Like things have changed for good. You know, we want controlled substances to actually be, you know, controlled. Uh, But, uh, you know, there are certainly some some challenges with that. So that'll be an interesting, interesting story to watch. All right. Yes. Okay. Moving on. So there was a shout out um, from a, a listener who talked, and I don't have the email in front of me, but I know that he was a big advocate for Trello and Habit Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really felt like these were good apps to use and they they worked with him or worked for him and his ADHD. Um, I'm familiar with Trello. I'm not familiar with Habit Bull. I don't know if you have any ideas or thoughts around these things. Um, Habit Bull is, uh, you remember, we've, we've talked about these habit streak apps, right? Streaks. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about these kinds right. of apps where you have something you want to learn to do and it takes a long time to form habits. And so this is a little app that notifies you and you can set your goals and that kind of thing. Okay. Habit Bull okay. is... Um, a really beautifully refined version of that and mm-hmm. and uh, with lots of great features and um, uh, wonderful interaction design and it's just a it's a good looking cool app and so um, yeah I, I I will shout out as well for that one uh, not as vociferous a shout uh, for Trello I you know I'm really glad that it, it's working for for this listener it doesn't work as well for me unless I'm collaborating with somebody else but uh, uh, anyhow two great apps yeah. Uh, next question is, oh, my goodness. It has to do with navigating ADHD in the marriage. I know. And I'm going to let you sum this one up because you're so much better oh, at that dear. than me. Oh, dear. Summarizer in chief. 
He is an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs, and his wife is an ENFP. <laughs> That's a fascinating uh, polarization there. Both have ADHD, uh, but given their personalities and individualities, it looks different for both, and we respond very differently. In my case, I love putting all my work into systems and scheduling time. Lists and schedules are comforting, uh, and they give me a sense of confidence, peace, and direction. See, back to that other question, I'd want to hang out with this person right here. <laughs> in the same language. But uh, his wife is directly opposite. Uh, his Trello boards and to-do lists and schedules absolutely stress her out. Totally relate to that, too. Uh, she loves living in the moment, taking life as it comes, being spontaneous. She enjoys chaos and the lack of structure because it leaves room for unanticipated possibilities and the excitement and freedom of making decisions in the moment. Schedules feel suffocating to her and restrictive. Uh, how do you know what you'll need or want to do at a given time before you get there, she says. Uh, uh, they're both pretty good at accommodating one another, he says, but uh, sometimes this can be a significant tension because they approach things so differently. For instance, and here's, here's the nut, they're in the middle of remodeling their house. In this kind of situation, his inclination to make lists of all the renovations that they want to do, prioritize them, schedule them, put them in on the calendar. And until I do that, I feel stressed out by the nebulous tasks floating around in the air. But from her perspective, if she even thinks about making a list or a schedule, she starts to feel suffocated and boxed in. We love each other very much, but sometimes we drive each other crazy. Any tips or suggestions for how to navigate a relationship like this? Go, Nikki Kinzer, go. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Holy cow. Gosh, it's so hard because yeah. relationships are so tricky. And, you know, I can only base my own opinion on my own relationship, right? Uh, and, and the differences that my husband and I have on how we do things. And it really comes to compromise. I mean, it just really comes to accepting that there's a way he does things and a way that I do things and kind of coming into the middle. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes we can reach that happy place and sometimes one of us is more irritated. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really there's hard. A, there, there's a need for buckets in, in my view. You need a bucket. And, and in these buckets go the elements of your lifestyle that or of your life that are going to be effectively owned by one or the other of you, right? And so you're gonna you're talking about a remodeling project. There is no rational way I could approach a remodeling project and see it actually get done without having schedules tied to it, right? You have right. to you have to to have schedules tied to it, and for that that seems very clearly to fit into his bucket. He needs to own that, and. The result of him taking ownership of that is it's going to put pressure and stress on her. And we have to acknowledge that, that it's going to be hard for her to let go of that and to see schedules that are clearly going to stress her out. But what is he going to give up in their life to be less scheduled, less structured, that sh that are going to go into her bucket? Uh, the things that, uh, like, you, you just have to be able to define these buckets and take on that role. I mean, I, I, for, for us, the buckets are, um, you know, much more clearly around money my wife handles a lot more of the the financial stuff i used they used to be in my bucket years and years ago it's not in my bucket anymore 
my my brain just doesn't handle it the way hers does. So it's her. It's in her bucket. And money still stresses me out. It push puts pressure on me. It pushes me against a wall uh, because I, it's it's not my comfort zone. But there are things that that I have in my bucket as well that that stress her out. That that push her. And we have come. That compromise has has come. Uh, you know, we've the the compromise has become sort of comforting because we both know that it's pretty even. The things that stress her out, I'm understanding of that. I'm telling her I know this makes it hard for you. Thank you. And the money stuff, I I know this stresses you out. I know you don't like thinking about this. We have some bills due. Um, you know, where do you stand on your client billings for the month? And and she tries. She has accommodated me by being more gentle when she talks about money for me. So that's the kind of compromise that at least has worked for us. It's just you have to take ownership of certain things. How could you possibly uh, attempt any sort of construction gig without putting some, I mean, there are just way too many people involved, too many people yeah. who have, to, have to come to into decisions. your, you have to make you decisions to, yeah. and they're it all on a schedule. A final. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That is yeah, what I found. Like even in terms yeah. of, you know, when I'm not at my best and scheduling is, is just uh, out the window, uh, the rest of the world works in schedules. Uh, it's just the way it is. And that's one of the accommodations you have to, you have to come to, to terms with. So. There you go. I mean, it's a, I, you know, it's, it's not a black and white answer. So I think we did what we could yeah, without right. being it's marriage a, it, counselors. It's a really hard one. Yeah. Without <laughs> right? being marriage I mean, counselors. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Yeah. 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 So, okay. There you go. Next question. How can you remind yourself of reminders? Like you need to set your alarm to go to lunch, but you forget to set your alarm. So I have a little story about this. It was perfect timing. This came in just this week and I just was talking to a client about checking her calendar and reminding her to check her calendar. And so what we found in this conversation is reminders weren't helping her. Alarms were not helping her because the alarm would come off or would go off and she would if she was in the middle of something you know, she turn it off. And so, and then, it, and then the alarm goes, I mean, the, the notification at that point goes away, right? right like it doesn't right. come back unless you have it as a reoccurring thing. So alarms for her weren't working, but I still wanted her to try to get into the habit of checking her calendar. She still wanted to get in, the, in this habit. So this is what we came up with. Every morning she goes and gets a cup of coffee so on her coffee maker right now, there's a little sticky note that says calendar. And that's her reminder to go check her calendar. So it's not an that's alarm. Great. It's not. Yeah. And it's going to stay there until it's a habit, which, you know, who knows that it could stay there. It could be a permanent fixture as part of her coffee maker if she wants it to be. But that's that's what we did. So that's what I would encourage her to do is, you know, what's that that what's the pre-step before the alarm because mm -hmm. if you're if you're not remembering the alarm then what's going to remember you or remind you to do that so yeah right uh, any right. other That's thoughts huge. well you know of course for me it's all always going to be a digital solution and it probably shouldn't yes. be in most cases uh but in this case i i actually have set the apps that are most important to me to remind me to do things i've set them to to open when i start my computer um, so like my Todoist is the first app that launches after my computer has been shut down. So it's the first thing I see. Uh, and, and that's, okay. that is the same so thing I think it. that you're yeah. talking about, right? right. There's a visual put the reminder as the first thing you see wherever you're going to be. And I'm already working on my computer during the day. So it's the first thing I see. 
and mm-hmm. and so whether it's a, a post-it note on the coffee maker or um, you know a, a something written on a whiteboard in the shower, right? I mean that's another one. That's where you're going to be, like calendar. When you're in right. the shower, it's gonna. As you're there, you're thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think those. That's I think that's great. Put the reminder where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. So last question, uh, and this actually was a question that was in our Patreon group, um, but I wanted to uh, share it with the world yeah. because. Uh, the last time you and I talked about hyperfocus was in 2014. That's a long time uh, ago, Nikki Kinzer. <laughs> it was a long time. And it was funny because the question is, is there a way to stop the hyperfocus? Her bosses are getting a little mad at her about it. And um, I remember we did a show on hyperfocus. So I went back into our archives and I, I put the link into our Facebook page and um, said, you know, listen to this and then let me know if you have any questions. And, and she did. Um, and she's going to try the alarm strategy, which I remember is that strategy of setting those alarms if you're going into something that's more hyper-focused mode like you you think you're going to get into hyper-focus mm-hmm. having those reminders those little alarms they're going to pop in and say okay you have 15 minutes you have 10 minutes five minutes whatever yeah um but i thought it was still worth us kind of just having another conversation about hyper-focus because three years is a long well over three years is a long time for us not to talk about it yeah, and it's it's really it's still the same challenge, right? Yes. I mean, the challenge itself hasn't changed. And uh, you know, for me, I I am I've grown less in favor of looking at hyperfocus as a, as a superpower over the years. It it can be, it really can be, uh, but. You know, maybe it's as I get older, just three years older, uh, it, it becomes more of a challenge to shake myself out of it um, mm-hmm. when I get into it. I would say, on the other hand, as I get older, it's much harder for me to fall into it. I, I'm I'm oh, struggling with hyperfocus less than I have been. But when I fall into it, it's harder for me to get out like it can go uh, for days uh, with little sleep, wake up thinking about the same thing, can't invasive thoughts, can't get out of it. Um, but it's but maybe because of all the other co- accommodations in my life that's uh, you know that I have around the diligence of work when I'm going to do the work, al- you know, alarms and things. Um, maybe I'm I'm sort of. Uh, you know, softening the blow of hyperfocus, but but that's not to say. Uh, so I guess that's to say maybe there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. <laughs> well, there's something about what you just said. I think there's something about what you just said is that you have put these. You're very. Uh, your calendar is very structured in the very sense structured. that you really do have a sense of when you're going to work on certain things. So I'm wondering if there's something there that she could attach to. And learn from you is that maybe that is a way to kind of deal with that hyper focus when you're at work is that, you know, these are the boundaries. These are the set times that you are going to to work on this because there is a consequence here. There is a cost that she's feeling. And that is that her bosses aren't very happy with her getting into hyper focus. Yeah. Uh, Part of it uh, for me, again, the, the sort of tools that go into to my scheduling are a are you breaking down each task into um, you know into its smallest component parts if you're doing that then you uh, you sort of 
limit the risk of falling into hyperfocus because part of what happens with hyperfocus is you have this giant task and once you dive into it you see no framework right you see no no divider of the work you just start plowing through it and do it and do it all and do it until you're done because that's just where the invasive thought is and for me if i take this massive task before i actually start the work before i feel the pressure of hyperfocus uh, and i break it into you know maybe it's i need to do 10 of these things for the next half hour and then schedule another 10 of them the next day that keeps me from falling into the trap of hyperfocus because i'll always schedule something after that i'll schedule a meeting with somebody i'll schedule a call i'll schedule something uh to you know another layer of task to help me move yeah. to something else right very thoughtful uh, and that's mm-hmm. that's a really important part and if you have mm-hmm. the task broken down enough uh then you can put all those tasks on your calendar and your work box mm-hmm. and then you can move on to you know the things that come uh appropriately next right, without right. stressing yourself out so much i like that you like that i do well, I hope it helps. That's certainly something yeah. to try. And uh, we can talk about that again later. But it's it's one of those things that really helps me. And when I open up Todoist in the morning and I see my schedule laid out with all my tasks with their agenda uh, sort of built in, boy, there's a lot of comfort that comes in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That was it. That's that's it. That's all the questions that came in. Thank you, everybody, yes. for writing in all those fantastic questions. And uh, thank you, uh, live stream viewers, for putting up with uh, uh, with our uh, uh, the whole show. Call it the whole show, trademark. That's right. Taking control of the whole ADHD podcast. Uh, the and good, bad, and, and the, not ugly. The good, just bad, and the coughing. A lot of editing. That's right. Some good <laughs> editing today. But thank you all. We really appreciate you uh, doing this. And obviously, I'm coming in here like just death warmed over. But it's because I just love this whole thing. Like, I love this whole experience. This is really, really fun doing this. Uh, well, uh, and, and people so. don't know you have 102 fever, right? I do. Now. I do. And so I, I'm I, I'm looking at Pete Wright, and there's this like glaze. It, it in is his kind eyes. of a glow. <laughs> so I have to say, focus. you did a fantastic job today for oh, having the flu, cold, whatever it is that you're dealing with. 102 fever. Your wife is sick. You're sick. Your son is sick. Thank you so much for being here, Pete. Well, you thank certainly you. did not need to show up, and you did. So it's I really important. Appreciate it's that. important to me. So I, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it, and uh, uh, thanks to everybody for uh, putting up with me and for tuning in and downloading. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>